Welcome to Doers of the Word podcast, brought to you by Victory Ministries in Johnson City, Tennessee. The Bible says in Hosea 4-6, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. We're here to provide knowledge in the Word of God and make testimonies available through this podcast from people who have come to our ministry and have been set free and delivered through and by the Word, love, and prayers. And now, with today's podcast, here's Pastor Emery. Hey everybody, and welcome back to the impact of addiction. I know we've said before, but the Bible tells us in John 8, 36, if the Son therefore shall make you free, then you are free indeed. Glory to God, what a revelation. You know, here at this podcast, we call it Doers of the Word. We get that from James 1, where the Bible says, be you doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Praise God for the written word of God. Got a very, very special guest with me today, uh, Mr. Bill Bentley. We're going to be coming on the air. Uh, in this series, we're going to be discussing the stronghold of addiction and alcoholism. Also, we're going to be discussing how it's impacted the lives of Bill and so many other people that it's affected and it, the impact it's had on their families. People struggle with this lifestyle, but most people don't realize that there is hope for a Bill. Mm-hmm. That is the key right there. Is there is hope yes. beyond yes, addiction. Is. Amen. And I know that from our conversation, this is a lifestyle that you once lived. Is that right? Absolutely. Awesome. Let's get into a little bit. How long was you in? Was you in drugs or was you in alcohol or what was the case? Just just alcohol. Just alcohol. I started um, dabbling in, um, in alcohol as early as I'm teenage years. And uh, it was sporadic. It wasn't a constant thing until um, uh, I've been a musician for about 40, 50 years. And uh, I wanted to, that's what I wanted to do was be a musician. And I ended up doing that. And the that lifestyle led to a lot of partying. And, and that's where I really developed a taste for alcohol. And it was mainly just beer. I never got into the hard liquor stuff, but uh, I drank a lot of beer. And uh, I was playing music out, traveling for about 37 years. And um, I was start. I was drinking pretty regular then. It was kind of like a normal thing, you know, to go ahead and, and um, let's drink. Boy, yeah, let's drink. If beer, is it on the house tonight or we gotta pay? And um, I ended up quitting that, like quitting the band, and uh, I got tired of setting up and running around, and uh, I, I went back to church with my mom and dad, and uh, I was I played the organ in the church, but I was still using alcohol quite a bit, and then uh, some things changed there, and Christine and Steve took me and my wife Beth. To uh, Grace Fellowship Church, and um, and I realized that man, this is a great church. But I was still drinking, you know. Sometimes I was drunk in church. It's a shame to say that, but um, yeah, I was. It was alcohol had a strong hold on me. And um, Christine, my sister, you know, she's a nurse, and my oldest brother is a nurse. And, they kind of tolerated it for a while, 
you know, then they started giving me some advice. They said, Bill, you need to do something. And my brother spent his whole career at the VA center in St. Pete, Florida. He worked in hospice and psychiatric ward. And uh, he was telling me, he says, Bill, I've seen people die from alcohol. And he said, it's a horrible, horrible death. You know, and then my sister Christine, she was very, very subtle about, you know, you need to do something. And um, I started, uh, okay, I thought, okay, in 2021, I thought, I'm going to quit drinking. And my brother said, you cannot quit on your own. And uh, I thought, ah, shoot, ain't nothing, man, I can quit. Well, I started getting really really sick with a lot of complications and uh, I ended up in the emergency room and they started doing a lot of lab work on me and they realized you said you know you got cirrhosis of the liver and uh, I thought well you know I didn't I didn't think much of it you know till um, when I stopped drinking my world turned upside down the confusion, the sickness set in, and things like that, and uh, I, st- I got real sick in August, and I had to go to the emergency room. That's when they tested me and everything. Told me, well, in November on Thanksgiving Day, I I had to go back because I went to Christine's to celebrate Thanksgiving, and. Uh, she noticed when I walked in, she noticed right away something was wrong with me. So she said, let me take your blood pressure. It was like 30 over 90. Wow. And uh, she said, you better get to the mercy room. So my wife, we left, we left, drove right to the mercy room. And that's when it started getting out of the nitty gritty. You know, they said, you, you're, you're in liver failure. And uh, we recognize, recognize, recommend treatment. And my wife, Beth, she's a client intake coordinator at a treatment center in Fall Branch, the residential, but they don't detox. So through her boss at her work, he knew the director of a center in Chattanooga named Cadis Center for Alcohol and Drug something. And um, he got me in down there because they had a detox program. But I was... I was well on my way to detoxing, and my wife drove me down to Cadiz in Chattanooga. I was spend I spent eight days in the detox. I didn't have much of a problem. I just let leave you alone, let you sleep. That's what I mainly did was sleep. And then right, I got done with that. I went to the twenty eight day inpatient rehab, and um, I met a lot of great people and. Um, you know, art rehab works if you want it to, and it don't work if you don't want it to. But I worked it pretty hard. I had a lot of counseling sessions and um, just things of that nature. And that's when I finally quit. You know, then my wife came and got me in January down in Chattanooga, brought me home. And I had been clean all that time. And then... Uh, I relapsed. I thought, well, you know, let's just see here. I wasn't drinking much, 
but a little bit. And then um, my uh, gastroenterologist here in Kingsport, well, in Kingsport, recommended you you need to go to Vanderbilt and try to get on the liver transplant list. So I've been going back and forth to Vanderbilt since last July. And they, through their blood work they do up there, they know if you've been drinking alcohol. Or they, you know, they just flat out told me, says you, we don't transplant patients that still got alcohol dependency. So, um, I relapsed and um, finally, uh, about July, I went, we went our first visit to Vandy, met with a gastroenterologist, hepatologist, and everything was laid out for me. Then two more other times went to Vanderbilt, you know, his lab work. They can tell through that lab work if you've had any alcohol in a long time. And so I had a number, it was pretty high, I showed it. But then I thought, you know, I don't wanna, I don't wanna die right now. I got a lot of things I still want to do. And so through that test score and that blood work, I um, that's when I finally said, man, I got to get serious about this. So I just finally put it down, said no more. And it's been about, a, um, about several months, several, probably nine months. I haven't drank anything. I've been going to AA two times a week and I, and I follow up with all my doctors here and uh, I have to see a gastroenterologist primary, my primary physician and then I had to see a nephrologist which is a kidney doctor. Well on top of everything else I started getting a, I got kidney disease and I had to spend some time in the hospital but there was a wonderful doctor in Johnson City called Dr. Tran he first told me when I was in the emergency room, he said, you need to make arrangements. That meant you're in the liver. I mean, kidneys are going, shutting down right now. I was thinking, wow, okay, this is serious. But through his work and through his knowledge, he got me through it and, and got my kidneys all calmed down and everything. And then I, um, I was dry, I used to, drive for a living, drive vans and haul, take people to doctor's appointments and stuff. And and uh, one, past one day, I just started getting real confused. I couldn't figure out what is going on. It's like I was just, I couldn't remember nothing. I couldn't, I didn't know what I was doing half the time. Well, I had a little accident in that with that company but they were so nice to me they tried everything they could to get me to come back what had happened my ammonia level from my kidneys got way too high and caused all that confusion and after the accident my supervisor uh, took me of course you know I had to be tested and stuff and and um, that night I was just we didn't know what was going on I went to the emergency room again, and they said, this blood work says your kidneys are really creating a lot of uh, ammonia. So I, I was another hospital stay, and they put me on a medicine that kind of lowers your uh, ammonia level in your body, and I started getting pretty sane. You know, I knew what I was doing. 
and everything. But, you know, I was in complete liver failure. And um, I got my kidneys sorted back by to go see a kidney doctor. And uh, that's, um, I had, uh, that's why I started going to Vanderbilt after that. And I've been to Vanderbilt about four or five times. And the last time I went to Vandy, I had three days of testing, interviews, and everything like that to be put on the transplant list where liver is very, very, very strict. If there's any, if you're doing anything, they will not, they will not transplant you. So um, I just kept working at it and working at it and got my scores down and, uh, so they decided, okay, we're going to have a committee meeting and see if we can put you on a transplant list. And and um, they came back just the other day and told me, says, well, since you relapsed at time, you need to go to an outpatient program. And my wife is working on that at her center to get me some outpatient counseling. And uh, I've got to start working building up my body a little bit because i've lost uh, about 90 pounds i used to be a bruiser 265 now i weigh 195 and i've lost a lot of mass in my upper body they just want me to kind of exercise a little bit and and uh go to that outpatient program so and then have another medical procedure done here and then they said well um We'll get back with you. We'll call you. In or I go back in March to Vanderbilt, and I hope you know that they'll they'll say okay. And they they talk pretty um, positive about getting the liver for me because I'm in such bad shape right now. I lost all my strength. I'm really weak, and I and I freeze to death all the time because of it. And so that's what I'm working on right now. And it's been a long road, and it is no way worth it to damage your body through alcohol. Amen. You know that's that's a uh, heartwarming story. Well, thank you. To know, you know, just just a little bit you've told me so far, uh, but all of the things that you was in, Jesus made the difference, didn't he? Oh gosh, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Um, you was talking about. Um, you was um, you went back to church mm-hmm. during this time, even though you was drinking. Yes. What 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 thoughts was going through your mind while you were sitting in church? Was you thinking, this has got such a hold on me, I need to lay it down, but I can't because of whatever may have happened. Right. Was, was those thoughts going through your yes, mind? Yes, absolutely. You know, I was at my mom and dad's church. That's where I grew up. That's where Christine grew up, and and I. I quit the band I was playing in, so I started, they didn't have an organist, so I started playing the organ for them for several years, and the pastor, he passed away, and uh, so me and my wife, um, we started looking for another church, and then Christine and Steve were going up there to Grace Fellowship, and they said, why don't you come to church this up here, and I said, okay. I didn't know what to expect. It it, it, it was very, it wasn't traditional. Church, but when I went up there the very first time in 2019, December, everybody was so sweet to me and loved on me a lot. And I thought, me and my wife talked. She said, I really like that church. And I said, I do too. 
And then the next year, we joined a discovery class at church. We met in the mo on Sunday mornings, and uh, me and my wife joined Grace Fellowship. And things just started really turning around for me. My relationship with her Lord Savior got stronger and stronger. And um, and I was when I was baptized, I was just sprinkled as a baby, and I started having questions about that. I, to myself, you know, I don't know. Am I really baptized? I didn't know. So I told the, the associate pastor, I said, I want to be baptized. I want to be immersed. Amen. And uh, we worked together for a month on Sunday mornings and met and we talked. We studied scripture. And um, they had just uh, gotten a new baptismal in that church. And uh, and that associate pastor baptized him, and my family was there, and I was totally immersed, and uh, it just, I realized you you can't live without God in your life. Amen. That's exactly right. God, when he, when you come broken like you was, mm -hmm. Bill, you was you was broken on the inside, but yet nobody's seen it. What you was going through, you know, right. what was going through your mind. But I'm sure that when Jesus come on the scene on the inside mm -hmm. and brought the change that was something that was life altering for you absolutely it? it cleared everything up <clears throat> and I realized <clears throat> how you know you, it's, you gotta change and and uh, that really was n number one in helping me is my relationship with Christ amen amen Let's go back just a moment. You you mm -hmm. mentioned just a moment ago, <clears throat> excuse me, the, you, you, your thoughts while you was out drinking. I know you said you lived this lifestyle of, of the musician on the road, yes. uh, which, you know, mostly those kind of folks that live that lifestyle are drinking, they're partying, mm -hmm. uh, things like that. What was going through your mind while you was out doing this? Was Jesus still there? Was he on the forefront of your mind? What was exactly going through your he mind? He wasn't on the forefront of my mind. And I just thought, well, this ain't bothering nobody. You know, so that, that's what I thought. I was that naive, you know, about it. And uh, it, the whole time you're drinking, you're just doing damage to your body. Even though it was just beer, you thought, well, this ain't no big deal. It's just beer. I'm not drinking the hard <laughs> alcohol. You know, you're not you're, you're not over there on the hard stuff. But yeah, right. <clears throat> excuse me. The beer was still causing havoc. Absolutely, and it started <clears throat> increasing. My intake was increasing. In the last two years I drank, I was drinking during the day. Mm -hmm. And in the afternoon, in the evening, right until I went to bed. And I was still driving at that time. But, um... Wow. The people yeah. that's out there right now that's thinking... Well, I'm just drinking beer. I'm just drinking beer yeah. here and there. Yeah. yeah I, 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 that's mostly just a lie, isn't it? It is. I was told by some people that drank, beer won't hurt you. You know, it's that hard liquor that's going to get you. Wrong. Yeah, that's a total wrong way of thinking, isn't it? Yeah. I, I looked this up, and, and since you're here, I want to cover these and mm -hmm. see if I'm on point with these. The seven stages of addiction are number one, initiation. Yes. Experimentation. Yes. Regular usage. Yes. Risky usage, which is in your case with yes. the liver damage. Absolutely. Dependence, addiction, and then crisis. 
mm-hmm. than treatment. Mm-hmm. It's, does, does it happen in that order? But I, yeah. And then if you, I was drinking so heavy that um, I would stay in the bedroom while my wife sat in the living room. My wife don't drink, do drugs or anything like that. And, but she left me alone. And I sit back, it's isolation. That's what it's called. I'd isolate myself and just drink till I just couldn't drink no more. I think that's a warning sign, Bill. <clears throat> Excuse me. Mm-hmm. That, that you mentioned there with everybody that I've talked to, they self-isolate. So yes. you that's listening, if you have a loved one that is self-isolating, that's a key factor. Would you say, Bill? Yes, absolutely. And it, there's a conversation that needs to take place at that instant. Mm-hmm. The very onset that they see this happening, there needs to be a conversation happen to where, hey, man, what's going on? Get inside their life. You're going to make them mad probably. Mm-hmm. Doesn't you, matter. Get you, in their life. You, yeah, you, you'll get mad when people start really telling you the truth. You're going to be mad at them mainly. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, you think you got it under control, basically. Right. You do. You think you got it under control, but there ain't no way. Wow. Dependency and, and alcohol is a strong, a strong thing that grabs a hold of you. It's like a stronghold that you're in mm-hmm. that you can't get yeah. broke free of. It's a place where Satan is holding you. So yeah. uh, what, what comes along is Satan comes along with this enticement and pulls mm-hmm. you over to this lifestyle, something you didn't even intend on doing. Right. Satan pulls you there, and then all of a sudden you're in a stronghold that you can't get set free. If you're wandering around, can't find an exit door. Mm-hmm. Wow. Let me ask you this, uh, Bill. Sure. What one thing would you change when all this started? What would you go back and change if you could change one thing? What would it be? I would... I would have uh, got more involved in church because I, you know, it's a shame it took me that long to realize that, you know, this ain't no lifestyle. Wow. But see, and also what you're using, you hang around other people that use, kind of gives you, you know, support. Listen to them telling you, oh, you know, hurt you. Don't you worry. Yeah. It's going to hurt you, isn't it? It's going to hurt you. It will kill you. It's a wonder I didn't die under a bridge somewhere. It's a wonder I didn't go to jail. All them years, I never got a DUI. And but now a lot of times people get DUIs and they will quit drinking. It will cause them to quit, but some don't. But that's another factor that you know. Ever even a lot of people AA. You know, they've had several DUIs, and um, they finally felt like, I've got to get straightened out. Even though that you thought you had the bull by the horns, even thought, uh, you know, this is just beer I'm drinking. Mm-hmm. You know, you thought, man, I've got a hold on this. I can control this. You was totally out of control and spiraling. That's right. Unconsciously to you, you was actually... Satan had pulled you to this place and you were spiraling out of control. Absolutely. What happened that you immediately thought, you know, this is my style. I've got to lay this down before it kills me. What what eye-opening moment did you have? Getting advice <clears throat> from Christine, my sister, and then my brother, oldest brother. That right there, and then along with trying to quit myself, 
And um, that did it. That did it for me. I thought, man, this is no lifestyle. You know, I was spending close to $500 a month on alcohol. And I just realized, man, this is crazy. And it's a shame. You know, it happens. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> People that do that don't really know what they're spending on the right. addiction. You don't even think about it. Yeah, you just go get it. That's right. Until yeah. you start, if you ever clear up enough to start thinking <laughs> about it, you know, you stay pretty foggy when you're on alcohol dependency. Right. But it's, a, you know, that's a place that people may have camped out, mm -hmm. but it's certainly not a place they have to stay, is that's it? That's right. No. Yeah. No, there is so much out there that, there's people will help you, you know, through this. And uh, that's one good thing about AA, you have a sponsor. Now, I talked with him yesterday. He just asked me, you okay? I said, yeah, I'm okay. I've just been real busy. And me and my wife have moved and uh, just doing things like that. And uh, so he said, well, you take care. And I said, well, I'm, I'm not drinking. That's what they're afraid of. Right. Well, you know, and when somebody quits going, don't go for a few times, they think, well, he's back out in the world. And, uh, no, I'm, and luckily I haven't. I stay real busy. And I, I really don't even think about alcohol no more. Amen. I, and I, I don't think I have a taste. And I think it made me sick as a dog if I tried to drink right now. And I'm like, I am not going to. I'm not going to risk my sobriety on anything stupid. Amen. When once you get sober and you clear up, you realize, wow, this is great. There is a life out there for me. Oh, my gosh, there is. <laughs> and uh, you become real outgoing. And that's why I like telling my story. If I can help anyone, anytime, anywhere... I'd be glad to, yeah. but please listen to my story and don't fall into the category I did. You know, listen to people, let people love on you, let people pray for you. Amen. And I've got so many people praying for me, you know, and I just, I'm, I'm real positive. I'm confident, Amen. you know, but in the back of my mind, I realize that, you know, you could pass away. I don't have a whole lot of time left without a liver right there. They tell me maybe a, a year. Well, that's what the doctors say, but that's mm -hmm. certainly not what Jesus would say. No, <laughs> no. You out there that's listening, there is hope for you. <clears throat> if you don't have nobody, excuse me, if you don't have nobody to talk with, please don't hesitate to reach out to us here at Victory Ministries. Our telephone number is 423-262-8407. We have online disciples that can actually help you, talk with you, and counsel you. If you don't feel comfortable talking to us about it, please reach out by email. Our email is www.info at victoryministriesjc.com. Excuse me, that's www.victoryministriesjc.com. I got tongue-tied there. Mm. That's our website. Our, our email is info at victoryministriesjc.com. So those three ways you can get a hold of us here. There is people here to help you. We want to talk with you and, and let you get your story out as well. Bill, you was talking about being um, confident in, in who you are now. Mm -hmm. 
What biggest change have you noticed in your life that's taken place that you wished you'd have had back then? I have um I just feel so much physically better, but it's it's through church. And if you are struggling, don't hesitate. Don't hesitate at all. Please, please, please go to somebody. There's people out there that will help you. There's plenty of programs that will help you. Amen. And please take advantage of them and and be healed. You know. Amen. And it's a... it's such a better lifestyle, you know, to be sober. Amen. You and know, I, that, that kind of living far surpasses any high that you would ever yes, have on absolutely. alcohol, isn't it, when you get with Jesus. Bill, did you ever one time think while you was out drinking and living this lifestyle, traveling mm-hmm. up down the road, tearing equipment up, setting yeah. it up, tearing it down, um, drinking with your buddies, having a good time, mm-hmm. worldizing, women lying, all, all those things. Did you ever ever stop and think, what is this doing to my family? Did you ever think that? Yes, I did. I, and um, I tried to, you know, not talk about it. Sometimes, you know, people, if they told my family, said, man, Bill's drinking a lot. And, um, but you just, you, you're in denial. If somebody says it, you're an alcoholic. <laughs> you know, I ain't no alcoholic. I just like to drink a beer every now and then, but you're an alcoholic. If you're drinking that much, you know, I, I think you said you was drinking all day, every day. Oh, my gosh. It's about the last two years I was, and I was working for another company <clears throat> delivering oxygen supplies. And um, when I tried to quit, I got so confused and so disoriented. I was got my van stuck up in Mendota, Virginia, and the people in the household there, they raided. I stepped out of my van, I fell flat on my face. I said, what is going on? You know, so they they were so kind to me, they would not let me get out. I couldn't get out anyway, but they wouldn't let me, and they called the Scott County Sheriff's Department. And that deputy that came out was so nice to me. And he gave me a little sobriety test. You know, I had a little alcohol in my system. And he said, um, I'm not going to charge you with anything like that, but I'm going to charge you with public drunkenness after the breathalyzer. And uh, so he took me to Duffield Regional Jail. And um, I was just there for an hour until my wife came to get me. And oh boy, was that, <laughs> was that a ride home? <laughs> from Duffield, Virginia, you know, and your wife just found out, well, you've done this now, you've done that, because I wasn't totally forthcoming with her. Mm-hmm. And, of course, my family, I I tried to keep it hidden. You know, you don't need to know what I'm doing. It's none of your business. It's me. But you're killing yourself. And you're killing your family. And people don't want that to happen. Right. Yeah. Destroying a relationship with your family is something that's mm-hmm. very hard to build back, isn't it? It is. And you, I don't think that could be done without the Lord. No. Amen. Um, most people tell me, Bill, when, the, when they on, at the onset of alcohol or drug addiction, that there's normally a trauma that happens in their life. Was that the case here? Did something major happen that may all of a sudden... You climbed inside of a bottle and you stayed there. You know, I, I really, of course, in my <clears throat> younger years, I was, 
I was totally wild. And um, I was married, and uh, I found out that my wife was having an affair with a so-called friend, and that really upset me so bad, you know. I was, I'm going to drink. And um, then uh, Christine mentioned that we had a nephew named Josh that passed away of an overdose of fentanyl. Mm. And um, I kind of lost my train of thought (laughs) right quick. I've done that plenty of times. We was talking about um, a trauma that happened in your life. You was talking about that you uh, you had a friend that was uh, having an affair with your wife. Yes, yes, and uh, it was my first marriage, and we were too young. I was 20, she was 18, and that bothered me so much. It really, you know, hurt me bad, and I retaliated with drinking. So instead of letting your feelings out, instead mm-hmm. of verbalizing how you were mm-hmm. feeling, yeah, which would have helped you with that particular That's moment, right you turn to something that would just numb or dull the pain. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then you kept dulling the pain mm-hmm. over and over instead of speaking that out yeah. and having that released. Is that something you've ever spoken and gotten rid of? Or is it still something you carry with you till this day? You know, um, my father used to give me good advice about don't sweat the small stuff. You know, there's a life out there for you. And my daddy, he was so good. I loved him so much. I miss him really bad. And, um, but like I said, I, I I tried to hide my drinking. You know, if my parents asked me about it, no, 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 I ain't drinking. And I was at their house many times drunk. They had no clue? No. Well, I was good. I was good at keeping it hidden. Well, you thought you was, but it eventually. Yeah, all right. You know, you, our you, mind. <laughs> you know, nowadays, I can tell somebody drinking. I talked to a guy sitting in a pickup truck, my neighbor, and immediately I smelled alcohol. Now I know why police know right away. They pull you out and they give you a breathalyzer. Because yep. so it's a strong odor and you can recognize it. It's repugnant to me now. I'm so happy to hear, Bill, with, with beyond what you're talking about, that you now have a personal relationship with the Lord oh, Jesus. Oh, my gosh. That is the greatest gift ever. Having Jesus in a situation like this mm-hmm. is going to give you a positive outcome. It will. It will. And you know, through Jesus, you've got all these people that will help you and pray for you, which I find that invaluable and very humbling experience. Amen. That's exactly right. And and, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe even in addiction, whether it be drugs or alcohol, that you have to become determined that what you're after is worth more than what you've That's got. That's right. What you've got is an addiction. What you're after is healing from mm-hmm. that addiction. It is. What message do you have, Bill, for maybe somebody that's out there right now that's listening, that's listening to your story, uh, listening to you tell your story, and they are starting to experiment with alcohol, maybe at a young age. Mm-hmm. What advice do you have for them? I would say that you um, 
it's hard for younger people, you know, find you a church, you know, get into. If you'll know it if it's it's right for you, the church you pick, and um, just start talking with people, them people in church, and uh, that's why I'm telling my story. I want to help people. Don't end up like I did, please. Amen. Uh, you know, Bill, that, that story, your story touches my heart. I'm almost sitting here in tears listening to the place you was, this mm. dark uh, place that Satan had pulled you to, listening to that, and then where God has taken you mm-hmm. Absolutely. from that dark place into the light mm. of yeah. his dear son. You know, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if any man be in Christ Jesus, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, mm-hmm. all things become right. new. So when you got into your relationship with God, that far surpassed any knowledge, any good time, any any thrill of being on any stage across this yes. land, that topped them all, it, didn't it? It, it does. It does, and... Uh, when I get feeling a little better, I play, I still play a little music. I play keyboards and uh, I play in Grace Fellowship Church for worship band. And when they need me, you know, we have about three keyboard players, several musicians, they rotate around. Mm-hmm. And I haven't in a while, so, but I'm really, I, I really enjoy that. That makes it all worth playing. And for God beats anything you'll ever do. Amen. You know, he gave us all gifts. Amen. And use your gift in that manner. Amen. Those that's listening, uh, I again want to say that we are here for you. There is help for you. There's hope beyond addiction. This is a place that you do not have to stay. You need, please stop and reach out to us. Again, our telephone number here at Victory Ministries is 423-262-8407. Our website that you can get in contact us with is www.victoryministriesjc.com. And you also have a way to reach out to us through email. Uh, That's info at victoryministriesjc.com. One of our disciples, if not myself, will get back with you. We'd love to schedule a counseling session with you, talk these problems out, and get you on the road to recovery. Let me ask you this, Bill. Um, those that's listening right now, either for their self, their loved one, or someone they may know, what are some warning signs that people that may be starting to drink, what warning signs can they look for? Parents that have somebody that they're suspicious of, what two warning signs can what warning signs can these two type of people start looking for? I say the biggest thing is um, you start isolating yourself. You isolate yourself from everybody. You stay by yourself. Do something, you know, that's what you'll do. It's the first thing you'll do. And uh, then um, denial. You'll go into denial. Ain't nothing wrong with me. You know, I ain't drinking that much, and it ain't going to hurt me. (laughs) Yeah, I I like to talk to people, former alcoholics, you know, and I I tell them my story and say, you know, they were lucky. They quit finally and didn't have no irreparable damage. And I say, then I tell my story, because I want to know, what did you go through when you were detoxing and sobering up and 
it's amazing the stories that people will tell you, especially in AA. You know, I didn't know anything about AA until I got out of rehab. And they strongly suggested. And uh, there's multiple AA groups out there in all these cities. And you'll find one that you really connect with. And I did in at Colonial Highs Presbyterian Church. You know, that's where I go. I have a sponsor. Get you a sponsor. You know, and to have somebody kind of check on you. If you start getting cravings or feelings, call your sponsor. Amen. And you know, we, we've always got the great sponsor, and that's the Lord Jesus. Absolutely. And I think he brings about the biggest change in anybody's life because when Jesus comes, like we was talking about a minute ago, when Jesus comes into your circumstance, he enters that circumstance mm-hmm. with power. Yes. The power from on high, and he's able to deliver and set free those that want to get delivered and set free. And please accept it. Amen. Amen. What message, uh, Bill, in the closing minutes here, what message do you have that you would like to get out to people that would uh, maybe that that they're listening right now, they're struggling from, from it really being in the addiction for a long time. They're not just experimenting. They're not just using it regular, they're actually got a full-blown addiction. Mm -hmm. They're listening to this. What message do you have for that individual right now? Reach out. Reach out. Talk to someone. And hopefully you'll talk to a former drinker that's gotten sober. You know, listen to their story and check your story out yourself. Amen. Just be willing to leave that place. It is, and there's so much, like I said again, there's so much help out there. Please reach out. People like me, former drunk, you know, please come to me. I'll help you. Amen. And I want to say that right here. If you would like to talk with Bill, I'm not going to give his information out uh, on the air, but I do want you to know if you would like to talk with Bill, you can get in contact with me here at Victory Ministries, 423-262-8407, and I will get his information, I'll get your information yes. to Bill, and um, I, I'd say that you're more than willing to talk to oh, him. I, I, yeah, yeah, just, I'll be glad to talk to you, and because I have a so much better demeanor about my life now. My oldest brother, he told me, he said, Bill, you're about the most cheerful person that's in liver failure and trying to get a transplant. He just, I feel confident. God God has us in his hands. Amen. He's going to take care of you if you let him. The key word there is letting him, right, mm-hmm. Bill? That's right. People's got to want to get out of that's the That's right. And that's the best way. Turn to the Lord. Amen. Best advice I believe that, that anybody would ever have. Here in the closing minute, Bill, we got we got another couple of minutes here. What parting words of wisdom? And I always ask people this at the end of the podcast. What closing words of wisdom do you want people? I want them to hear your story. I want them to remember your story. But here at the end, what words of wisdom do you have that 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 you could leave our listeners with the like so dynamic that it's on the forefront of their mind? People that's out there using the addiction, drugs, alcohol, no matter what be. What words of wisdom do you have? I would say, um, once again, reach out and uh, don't destroy your body. 
like I have. Because it's a horrible thing to be in liver failure. Everything in your body starts just spiraling downhill. But I'm, I'm confident, you know, things are going to change. But, and I, you know, and just don't feel like nobody cares about you. Because there's every, there's programs everywhere to help you. And please, especially at church, and please take advantage of that and realize what you're doing to your body. Don't, don't do like, don't be like me. You know, this ain't no picnic. I have to take medicines. I take it. I got a Tupperware box full of pill bottles. I take every day. You know, and it's just ridiculous. I think, God, big old handful of pills. And they told me, said once you know you 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 get a liver transplant, you'll go off a lot of that medication, but you'll be on more medication for rejection and things of that nature. All stemmed from alcohol abuse. Yeah, it, it, everything. You know, it, that's where it came from. You know, I I was so close to dying. I didn't realize it. Wow. I was that close. And then God come along and snatched you. He did. Amen. Glory to <laughs> he God. Did. Amen. Snatched you out of that place. You know, I was thinking, as you were saying that, Jesus tells us in First Peter 5 and 7, he said to cast all your cares upon him. For he careth for you. He didn't say just one or two mm-hmm. or some people that feel like they don't care. Jesus cares like nobody else. Absolutely. And he's wanting to see you set free from the drugs, the alcohol, mm-hmm. whatever it is. He's wanting to take you beyond that. Amen. Yes, there's so much out there. You know, sometimes life ain't all good, but seize it what it is. It is, you know, enjoy it. Enjoy your life. Amen. Enjoy your sobriety, which is such a good feeling that uh, it's hard for me to expand, you know, expand on that. But yes, it um, sobriety is the best way, and you're at, you don't have that cloud of confusion and disorientation about you, and trying to keep it hidden. Amen. You know. Come to the light, right? Come to the light. Amen, amen. It's right there. He's he's waiting on you. Amen. Bill, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart of coming on today and sharing your story here yeah. at Victory Ministries. Again, I want to tell you that's listening, if you would like to schedule your counseling session, you would like somebody to talk with, talk through, talk about, whatever the case may be, we want to talk with you. Again, our telephone number is 423 262-8407. That number is available 24 hours a day. Also, you can reach out by our website at www.victoryministriesjc.com or our email address that you can send a lengthy email to with you know with, with confidentiality. Nobody's going to know nothing about it. Info at victoryministriesjc.com. If you're also you have someone out there that's listening, um you want to tell your story. You want to get your story out to those that's struggling the most. Don't keep it to yourself. There's people that need to hear your story. Reach out. We'll schedule a time for you to get you on the program. Again, Bill, thank you for being thank here you, with us Pastor today. Emory. It's been a blessing talking with you, and I look forward to having you back on the show very soon. Oh, thank you so much. Yes, I'd like to come on with my sister. <laughs> amen, amen, amen. We'll see if we can get that scheduled. Yeah. Well, listen, again, thank you so much.
Please stay tuned as we continue this series on the impact of addiction. And may God bless you as our prayer. Thank you for listening to Doers of the Word podcast. Victory Ministries JC wants to show God's kind of love in all the lives we touch and interact with. There's hope in Jesus and we're here for you. If you need prayer or have a need pertaining to what we do or want a personal relationship with Jesus, please feel free to contact us at 423-262-8407 or our email is info at victoryministriesjc.com.